Welcome to What's Wrong with Wolfie. Greetings and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie, a retro podcast dedicated to the pop culture of the 80s, 90s and zeros. My name is Jason. I'm Chris. And I'm Steve. And I'm the amazing Cliff. No Rich this time, unfortunately, but as you just heard, returning to the show is the amazing Cliff for his fifth appearance on the Wolfie pod. And he has picked an absolute cracker for our second festive special. Michael Caine, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Ponzi and Gonzo star in Walt Disney's The Muppets Christmas Carol. I didn't know Henry Winkler made an appearance. Oh, did I? You said Ponzi. (laughs) (laughs) You did. (laughs) (laughs) Waka waka. Walt Disney Pictures presents a Jim Henson production of a classic Christmas tale. Ah, He's the world's greediest man. Until the magical night he meets someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. There goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? It's a game of prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Stuffed with holiday warmth and cheer. Just a season to be jolly and joyous. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Uh, Cliff, welcome, welcome back, mate. Nice to see you again. Thanks. Uh, you just said that this is my fifth time, and I was like, what do we count that little run-in that I did at DigiLive? Do we count that as an episode? Do we not count it as an episode? But we're counting it as an episode, yeah, number five. It's an appearance. It was, so yeah. Therefore, it, cla- it classes. It classes. It counts. My God, I'm all over the place tonight. How, how are we going to get through this? I have no idea. Strap <laughs> in, listeners. Let's go. Oh, my God. It's, it's like a wild ride. We're two minutes in already. Woo! It's like we've just had Christmas dinner. We're all a bit merry. And <laughs> we've just given up with everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into that's, arguments. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, mate. Well, before we get into the film itself, I just wanted to give you some time to introduce yourself in case anyone is listening that isn't aware of your good self and to remind the good people about your podcast and the most exciting of developments since you were last on. 
yeah, I suppose. Yeah, exciting of developments. No, more editing. Um, but no, so uh, my name is Cliff Foster, a.k.a. The Amazing Cliff on most social medias. I am a uh, podcast slash streamer of N64 Life, which is a N64 slash GameCube Game Boy Advance uh, stupid comedy show that you can find on Twitch usually every Friday and Sunday, 8.30 to 11 GMT. But as Jason alluded to, I am also now the third host of Under Consultation. That was an episode by episode guide of the UK's greatest computer game challenge TV show. That was Games Master. However, we are now expanding as of January we start 2.0. This means that we are going all the way around the world. Over 4,000 episodes we have accumulated already. No joke either. Ash versus has been a busy beaver. And he, we've accumulated all these episodes and we're going to be going uh, from Japan to South America to Russia to South Africa. I mean, we've got every corner of the world as well as those ones that you already know about like the bad influences out there and the you know the games worlds and all that we will be going on to those bits and pieces but we have a pot of goodies ready to go um so that will be starting in january which i'm very much looking forward to but as i said lots of editing (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've been a patron of under consultation for 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 years and uh it is definitely one of my um, go-to podcasts when when the next episode drops. So you know, we're all, I was always apprehensive of what was going to happen next once once it got to the end of Games Master. Mm. With, with what you guys are doing is is really exciting because um, I'm just really excited to to learn about all these different shows that I never knew existed and just to see if they're actually any good or just a big pile of pants. Hey, keep it at Games Master. Um, but no, I, I think, yeah, no, same. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil here what the first episode that we are covering in January, because how it will work is once a month we cover a retro gaming uh, or a gaming TV show, and then we will cover a game or a, a cultural hotspot of the time. Uh, that will happen the same time that this episode aired. And then we will be doing a, uh, like almost a UCP extra, usually following the basis of uh, another TV phenomenon. So I don't want to give too much away here, but we've got, we're going in strong. Like we are going to a country synonymous with computer games. That's all I'm going to say. Because some of it is, people would already be guessing what that country may be and what that show may be. And then, I mean, this cultural hotspot that we have for the UCP Extra, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. It's one of the, it's, it's all of our childhoods. Let's just put it like that. It's all of our childhoods and it's a changing our childhoods. I can't give too much away on here, but I mean, there's so many, I like every month we have mapped out. Ash creates like this calendar and he says, right, these are the resources. These are the episodes. Go and watch it. Go and get your notes together. And I mean, we've got until like June, July sorted. And it's amazing. I mean, like one to be a part of a group of people like Luke, Ash, pros, the actual pros doing this and to actually have that sort of that preempting and that 
being able to go, okay, I'm just going to get all my notes together. Why not just sit here on a day off and get two shows notes done, which are pretty much done today. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, I'm, I can't wait, especially for you, Jason, being the listener. I can't wait for you mm-hmm. to hear what we've got planned. Yeah, I can't wait, mate. It's, uh, it's, it seems to be uh, taking forever to get here, but I know it will be here <laughs> sooner before before I know it. That sounds exciting and organized also. Um, <laughs> mm. We tend to go for, um, I don't know if you've heard of this, uh, it's like chaos. We just go for chaos. <laughs> I said 64 life. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I, go, I go. go the week before and go, what am I going to do? This. And then I try to fit notes and record and edit into one week. It's That's why everybody wants to know, but there's not been many N64 lives over the last year. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I, I just want to clarify, it's me, Chris, and Rich go for chaos. Jason works very hard trying to wrangle us <laughs> all together. <laughs> That's Ash with me and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's let's get on to the main event. Well, we're all here, and that's for the Muppets Christmas Carol. And I, I just want to come around each of you and, like, just hear your, your memories of the film and, like, what you can remember from seeing it for the first time. Yeah, so I, 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 got, I never saw it in the cinema. I got it on VHS, must be the Christmas afterwards. So it was the original VHS. And it might give away that away when I do something else Jason's asked me to do later for the top three. Um, but there was a, I had the VHS of it, and I watched it not just over Christmas. It was one of my most watched VHSs, you know, that I had. I would watch it in the summer. I would watch it over Christmas. I mean, it was... It was the Muppets and it was Christmas. They're two of my favorite things ever. So to have that sort of joy in one one little movie, ah, oh, it's just glorious. And I mean, it's one of the most quotable movies as well there's ever been. Like it's that you know I I constantly turn around to people uh, when I say I can tell I can tell this story like the back of my hand and then telling them that I've got a scar on my wrist. <laughs> you know I I can quote these things like so fluidly and it's so funny that it's it is a christmas tradition i will before going to bed on christmas eve i have to watch this movie it's like i have to it's like things will happen to the world if i don't watch this movie so it's not just memories it's actually a huge part by how i am i suppose and that silliness behind me from fonzie bear <laughs> <laughs> You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's tedious. It's a tedious uh, piece of cultural vacuity. No, obviously I'm kidding. It's delightful. It's lovely. It's a lovely film. Um, <laughs> almost killed Cliff there. Sorry. It's great. It's, it's, it's lovely. I also uh, watch it every year. Uh, I never used to, but my partner absolutely adores this film and she insists and I gratefully watch it with her. Yeah. It's great. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get into exactly why. But yes, it's uh, it's a lovely film. W- were you a fan of the Muppets before that? I, do you know? No, and I, I'm still not really. Like, mm. I, I don't. I don't hate the Muppets. It's not that I don't like them. It's just not something that I've really spent a lot of time with in my life. But this film specifically, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I'm. I'm a fan of this Muppets film, even if I'm not really into the wider Muppets thing. The Muppet verse. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Don't okay. give Disney ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Muppet verse or the Mupp verse? Yeah. Phase three of the Muppet verse. <laughs> I was kind of late to the Muppets. I knew of this film, and I'm pretty sure when was it out? What ninety two? Yeah, two ninety one. So yeah, I would have been eight. So it was on probably TV at Christmas. I don't think we ever owned the VHS. Um, wasn't something. It's weird. It wasn't really in my me and my brother's kind of wheelhouse in a way. Weirdly, we had a VHS of the Muppet Babies. Does anyone remember that? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Do you know how much those VHSs are going for now? Oh, don't. They're because flexible. it's it. Disney has deleted it. Like it doesn't exist on anything other than illegal streaming and certain YouTube channels. But we had a VHS of the Muppet Babies, and I remember going to myself when I was about maybe 10, going like, I know, you know, it all of a sudden dawns on you that the Muppets and the Muppet Babies are the same thing. You get to age and you're like, hang on a minute. And it clicked and I discovered sort of the Muppets. It spoke to my kind of slight ADHD chaos mentality in a way that wasn't spiritual, but it was almost as if like, finally, something, something from my brain. And then we watched Muppet Christmas Carol probably in the 90s at some point. I was struck as to how timeless Dickens' story is, where you can you can have Muppets do this story and it doesn't feel any out of place as a stage play or a straight adaptation. And it's gloriously great. Me and my wife, we watch it every year, sometimes two or three times. And she grew up loving it and... It's just one of those traditions that we just always do. She she watches a film more wrapping presents, and it's a nice little tradition that she has. When a film makes you feel like that at Christmas, that's a win-win, and it's just glorious. And it's fun, and it's serious, and it's emotional, and all everything at once, like a perfect storm of an adaptation. And it's just great. Uh, Muppets, for me, was always a thing that I never really got on with too well. Like... I saw it. I would maybe watch it, but I didn't. Really, it wasn't really something that I was overly bothered about, to be honest. And I think it must have been the Muppets Babies or something. Like Chris just said, that I must have caught on telly. It must have just been in the back of my brain or something when when the film came out on VHS because I, I I wouldn't have seen it at the cinema. I I do have a memory of like actually picking it up on VHS and well, I'll just give it a go and just absolutely fall in love with it. I was I was. Uh, so enamoured with the Muppets Christmas Carol that when the next one came out, which I think was Treasure Island, <laughs> I was very excited for. And then I got to watch it and I thought, well, that was a bit shit. <gasps> it's all right. Jim, 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 Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. <laughs> Me and a few friends, um, our local cinema in our home, my hometown did Saturday morning pictures. And it's like this lovely, restored Victorian cinema. And they showed Muppet Treasure Island probably about a year or two after it was released originally. We went to see it. It was like £2.50. Muppet Treasure Island was like, what is this? This is amazing. And you had Billy Connolly. Yep. And and Tim Curry. And Tim, Tim Curry, Curry. <laughs> doing the best laugh ever, which, by the way, there's a supercut of him laughing on YouTube and it's the best 10 minutes of your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I remember coming away from that and I was introduced to Billy Connolly at a very young age. Uh, through my uncle and when i saw muppet treasure island i was just like wait wait a minute hang on he's 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 in a muppet movie 
Oh, it's glorious, Jason. How can you not like Love Treasure Island? <laughs> I, just, I just didn't click. I don't know. I just, I just remember walking away from it. Just like, well, that was a, that was meh. I think, I think, I think most people had that opinion about that film, and I think it was received very well when it came out. But I thought it was all right. Yeah. Well, when you, when you're you know ten or eleven, it's absolutely blinding, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Like, like the rest of you, the Muppets Christmas Carol is a hundred percent watch every year. And if it doesn't get watched, then there, there's 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 trouble. And it helps that my eldest uh, son is also a big fan of the film, and he also insists that we need to sit down and watch it every year too. So the, the only issue I do have is that my wife doesn't actually like the film that much. So <laughs> I, I do question my decisions sometimes. Don't we all? <laughs> you could probably convince her um, if you arrange like three visitors in the night to explain to her why <laughs> she's wrong about that film. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, I might do that, Steve. Thank you for there the you suggestion. Go. You're welcome. Yeah. The film itself, and of course, we always start with the plot of the film. If anyone else doesn't actually know what the Christmas Carol is or what The Muppets is based on, then sit down and get ready because I'm about to educate you. Uh, Michael Caine gives a performance that's anything but bar humbug as greedy, penny-pinching Ebenezer Scrooge. And on one fateful Christmas Eve, Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. Together with kind, humble Bob Cratchit and his family, these spirits open Scrooge's eyes and his heart to the true meaning of Christmas. Aww. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you. But we, we all know what Christmas Carol and, and Scrooge's tale, but... Like a Muppet's Christmas Carol, just does it? I don't know. Like what? What is the magic of this film? How? What? What struck gold to to make this film so like an all time classic? For for me, as as a kid, it was being able to safely enjoy, you know, classic literature um, because this is very faithful to Dickens' original. And it's 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 not dumbed down. Like this is a kids' film, but like it goes some places, genuinely kind of scary as a kid. Still pretty spooky as an adult, but around the edges, you've got the Muppets who are there to say, "Don't worry, it's still a Muppets film." At some point, someone's going to make a joke. You can chill and you can you you can enjoy what is quite a macabre story, uh, and still have fun. And that's really what's special about it. Uh, and I think whoever made the decision to be that faithful to the material um, was a genius because that's mm. why this film is so good. Because it's fun and it's entertaining and it's cute whilst also being impactful and having a real message behind it and being a really faithful adaptation of a classic. Being the resident Muppets fan here, th this was the first movie really to come out after Jim Henson's death. Uh, from the Muppet franchise, and it was, um, it was, uh, I think it was Brian Henson, who's uh, Jim's son, uh, was the uh, the director of the movie, um, as well as uh, Frank Oz, who is famous for many, many a creature in Star Wars. Well, Yoda, uh, Labyrinth, uh, Hogs, uh, Hoggle, Hog but it's, um, I think this is, it's. It's done in such a way, as you said, with that love for the literature, but it's done in such a way that it's love for the Muppets. And I think that's what makes it so special is that it doesn't shy away from the literature. And I think at that time, oh God, when did Scrooge come out? Scrooge must have been around this time 80, as well. 89. 
Was it 89? I know That's, it was... Yeah. Yeah, I know it was just before this and before Ghostbusters 2. So you've got you've got only that only coming out a couple of years before. But as you said, this was more accessible to kids and people of our age at the time, you know, than, say, a, a Scrooged was. Yeah, Scrooged is uh, one of my favourite adaptations, but I think you've got two completely polar opposites. You've got this one, which is a family-friendly one. But like you both said, it covers some really, really deep themes and motives there. But at the same time, as it's a period piece, where Scrooge they put in the modern day. And I think by by placing it in Victorian England and populating it with all those beautiful, wonderful sets and costumes, but they updated the dialogue so it doesn't sound dated when you're watching it. So a modern audience can relate to everything, but at the same time, it's a visual feast of we're going to show we're going to throw every traditional Christmas um, trope, visual trope at you. Mm-hmm everywhere and it pays off and like steve and yourself said cliff it doesn't dumb it down it it kind of adapts it but cuts a lot of the dark stuff out at the same time as showing you it's it's so complex it's ridiculous and it's a muppet movie (laughs) it doesn't need to be it's so complex that i can't i can't even formulate a kind of idea of where they were going with it but it works and i think a lot of that is down to michael caine yeah, well, Mike Michael Pla- Kane it just plays it straight all the way through, like it's yeah. a series act where the Muppets are almost like Panto-ish because you know uh, Rizzo Rizzo is turning around to Gonzo all the way through this mo- movie yeah. and almost calling him Gonzo. He's outright <laughs> calling him out in the first scene, the first spoken scene. He's like, "Well, you're not Charles Dickens," <laughs> you know. He's like, it's like almost as I said, it's got for British uh, listeners, it has that real panto feel to it. That it's like the he's playing it the straight guy, you know. My, as I say, Michael Caine is fantastic in it, like one of the best Scrooges you ever see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else happening around him is just pure chaos, like. Uh, the uh, the eagle having to be reminded to that it's not it's it's not the American way it's the British way it's just like <laughs> those little like scenes like that that then take you back of oh yeah it's a Muppets movie oh yeah these are actual Muppets I I got a bit too serious with this as you said as you said Chris there's so many layers to this bloody yeah. movie it's unbelievable fact, there's so many complex layers that over the years when I've been watching it I've sat there and I've gone. This is one of the most meta... It's meta to itself, not so much to the audience. <laughs> you watch The Muppet Show and The Muppets Tonight, they're always putting on a show. So is this a... <laughs> is this a play within The Muppets universe, within The Muppets universe to us, right? So are they before, have they got the real Michael Caine in to play Scrooge? So Scrooge, to play Scrooge. But at the same time, it's a Muppet show done within The Muppet universe precisely just like they used to do and they also do on sesame street as well mm-hmm. they, they bring in real people they do a skit with that real person who has appeared on this fictional thing within the fictional thing it's ridiculously complex for what it was <laughs> Do you know that hadn't even occurred to me that hadn't even occurred to me now we're theory crafting <laughs> a muppet's christmas carol it, because... what's your head cannon for the muppet's christmas carol yeah. but it's 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 moments like you said about sam the eagle he has to be reminded that he got a line mm. wrong yeah. yeah, and so a couple of the characters turn around and interact with Gonzo and Rizzo. Yeah, 
I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'm not going to lie. When you started talking about this, I was a little bit like, what the fuck's he on about? But like <laughs> now I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's right. It makes sense mm-hmm. because there's that moment where the rabbit at the end runs to get the turkey and trips over Gonzo Rizzo and says, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and interrupts their line completely. Yeah. They're on stage in the Muppet Theatre performing this play, but they're not supposed to acknowledge Rizzo and Gonzo as the narrators. But they have to because they're fucking up certain scenes within the production. It's mad. It gives you a headache. <laughs> and it's a Muppet movie. <laughs> Even to the point of that they know that, oh, well, it's got to the, you know, uh, the uh, it, it's got to the future now. So we're going to have to take out the comic relief. And they're like, yeah, we'll see you at the end, guys. We'll be, we'll be back when it gets lighthearted again. And then they literally go, we're back. <laughs> What what struck me as well was that ending where like it's so it's so subtle where Rizzo's talking about the end and then Gonzo without missing a beat says to the camera and Tiny Tim definitely doesn't die. (laughs) Tiny Tim who (laughs) definitely doesn't die. It's sublime. It's great. I think while you guys were talking, I was thinking about what other elements of the Muppets Christmas Carol really makes this special. I think like you, something was mentioned, someone mentioned about the the sets, but I think all the uh, the characters they put in the background of the Christmas Carol really helped didn't, with the with the film. Like you know, you'd be seeing cows and chickens and other Muppets just walking around, and then a cow would do something stupid or would actually start talking to somebody or. Something like that, and I think I think maybe that that was something else that had this special ingredient in the film. It's that trademark Henson constant movement, that secondary movement. Now, if anyone follows Adam Savage's tested on YouTube, he has been going to the Henson archives a lot recently, talking to Brian Henson and some of the puppeteers, and they talk about that, that every production they've done, everything in the background is moving at some point, apart from the sets. That includes worms on motors. That includes animals in you know those yappy dog toys that would jump and flip they'd put a creature on top of that and have that just in the background on the set just have that secondary movement it's mind-blowing and like you said jason that opening shot everything in that scene is moving including the veg which is singing on the cart (laughs) the cart is being moved by a puppet the veg on the cart is singing while being moved, it is just insanely mind-bogglingly complex. I would just puppetception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cart, yeah. the cart that's being pulled by a puppet, which is being controlled by a puppet with multiple yeah. puppets on the back, and then one of the puppets gets stolen by a human being. It's yeah. just puppetception. It's just great. <laughs> it is just great, and like the the mice in the wall reminds mm, me yeah. of. Uh, Labyrinth. Yeah. Come and meet the missus. Come and meet the missus. Even the um, the doozers in Fraggle Rock, they're produced, they're, they're animated by wires about 10 feet away from where they are yeah. on cue. So there's no puppet. And these tiny little mice at the insert shot are being controlled. And then it cuts to the close up shot with the actual foot. Oh, it's, it's insane. I mean, it is undoubtedly an impressive production, but where do we stand on seeing Kermit walk with legs? Because yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. 
come on, come on. That, that little dancing bit as he's coming down with Tiny Tim on his shoulders yeah. go ding dang ding ding dong. No, that that is just glorious. I like that. I, so? I, yes, no, no. It's a good dance. I'll give you that. But there's something about seeing Muppets walk with legs that I just uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Like some kind of eldritch thing that's gonna drive <laughs> me insane at some point. But uh, is, I, I love that you bring it up because you you see certain Muppets walk and puppets on Sesame Street and the Muppet Show, like the Snuffleupagus in Sesame Street and Big Bird and various other but when you've got the the what do they call them the sack puppets, which is just from the waist yeah. down, mm-hmm. I'm with Steve. It looks a bit strange because you've never seen Kermit's legs other than sitting down playing the banjo on a log, but all of a sudden to see him fully moving with it. Yeah, I must admit, yeah, I'm with you. But also, it's kind of cool at the same time. It's like it is, it is cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad they don't do it often. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a look. We're in the '90s. Look at this cool special effect we can do. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this is co- this is half the budget. Here we go. Just, <laughs> just so can Herb- Kermit can just do this one bit, and, and I can- then- it has to be blue screen because it can't be bloody green screen, can it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then five minutes later, you got Rizzo dancing on a goose on the spit when he falls mm-hmm. down the chimney. Yeah, oh, exactly. The same. It's just like <laughs> that looked a bit better actually, though, than the Kermit thing. Probably shorter legs. Do you know what you're saying about the Rizzo one? The one that I do like is when he he's standing there tapping his foot at Gonzo. I like that one. That's the one I really like. Yeah. Where he's re- he's Sonic the Hedgehog in uh, yes. Gonzo as he's standing at the bottom. I love that one. Well, let let let's stay on the on the on the puppets or that they were featured in this film then, and like I, I really want to have a, a, a talk about the the ghosts in this film. Because I think they're some of the most interesting parts of the film, especially as they're Muppets that we're only ever going to see once in this film and we don't see them ever again. Mm. And I thought it was really interesting that the the way in which they designed each one and how different they were, but apart from death, because death is death, isn't it? You know, you've got an expectation on what death looks like, so the Grim Reaper yeah, they, and all that. But they, They're quite clever with that, though, because they don't make it in anatomically correct, like, human proportions. It's short, but really long arms, so it kind of looks otherworldly and muppety. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's kind of kind of clever visuals. But, I mean, like, the other two, do you have a favourite? I mean, and if you don't say Ghost of Christmas Present, then I'm hanging up the call. Um, I, I Obviously, Ghost of Christmas Present, aka father christmas uh is great however the ghost of uh christmas past that is that's spooky that effect they've done and it's a bloody good effect because that is a it's a puppet it's a puppet but it's beautiful as you said it's beautiful it's got the haze around i think actually cinematically that's the most impressive ghost i've said that for years because like did they deliberately made it look weird because mm-hmm. it's not supposed to look human. It's not supposed to look like a puppet. And they blended the two and she's got these gorgeous blue eyes. It's creepily scary, but comforting all at the same time. Mm. But if I remember rightly, that was the worst puppet I think they worked with on set because it didn't work correctly. Oh no. They were, I'm sure I saw that somewhere in an interview they said it was a nightmare on set to get it to work properly. Or didn't they film the elements of her cloak underwater? It looks like that. 
yeah i don't i don't know how they did it but it's no, got that sort of it's vibe been years it. since yeah. i've seen anything yeah. about it but it would make so much sense because it's flu it's fluid isn't it mm. dress yes. sort of fluid is uh, the movement so yeah so cinematically that but however the ghost of christmas present uh yeah i mean it just makes you feel very warm inside, doesn't it? It does exactly it does. what it's meant to do in the movie. <laughs> like it does, but and that's that's the, the the thing about this film is I don't know if it's just because of like who I am, right? But I, I have a hard time with the gut. I, I I kind of find this film genuinely a bit disturbing, which is on purpose, so it's okay. But the ghost of Christmas present is this really lovable guy, but like he gets old and dies, and it's really sad and like. Oh, I don't know. There's something really sad about it to me. I just I that's, can't. That's the beautiful symbology of is symbology a word of a day coming and going. I yeah. love that. Yep, perfect. I've always loved that, and it's so subtle that you only realise that he's aging two minutes before he disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. so subtly done, even to the point that that theme of him getting smaller, and it's just gloriously so so many layers to this film. As 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 I said, that sim- yeah. Why is there so many layers to this movie? But at the same time, as a kid, that was the perfect prompt to go. Shit got real. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. When he yeah. when he dies, one, he's very happy when he's going, and two, True. that moment of that. You know, even even Scrooge goes through that. Michael Caine portrays that beautifully. Of he's been lifted. He's ready to celebrate mm. Christmas, and now he's got death in front of him and he's like i'm ready to go forth and love my fellow man and he's like not gonna say anything to him and and yet again come back to michael kane michael kane plays that i would say now this is that he plays that the best i've ever seen a scrooge do it i i can't think of another scrooge that does it with so much empathy and conviction and almost remorse of what he's done in the past already. He's already feeling remorseful and he's about to, and you almost feel sorry for him that he's about to go through the pain that he's going to go through. I I honestly think Michael Caine's best performance, I think Mm. of his career. And this is probably the best adaptation. I think Mm -hmm. like easily he's, he is phenomenal in this film, but he sells it by deciding to play it completely straight as if it's, as if it's fucking Shakespeare, and he stands there, and didn't he say on an interview as well, after like an hour on set, he completely forgot that there were puppeteers underneath. Yes, he did. Because you do, if you're there with kids, and you start talking to the puppet that the kid's holding, or the adult's holding, you forget the adult's there. And I loved how he played it completely without conviction. I agree with all of you here, that this is the quintessential model that everyone who plays Scrooge from this day forth will have to be conscious of michael kane in this film mm-hmm. it's just benchmark i think my, one of my favorite parts of michael kane's performance as well is that when he starts the realization that you know he's a bit of a git like i don't know like michael kane's just face just lights up and there's just like a whole different aura around him when when he's with ghost of christmas present and and it and even when he's with the ghost of christmas future and you 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 can see that fear on his face and it all just hits you, doesn't it? The relief right at the end where the, obviously he's pulling at the uh, ghost of Christmas past and then it turns into the curtain. That relief, the relief on him and the pure joy is, is yeah, again, Michael Caine 
He should have got an Oscar for this. <laughs> he should have. Yeah. But um, where, where we talked about the the ghosts and the Ghost of Christmas Present, one of the other reasons why I think I he's one of my favorite. He's my favorite is because he's got one of the best songs of the film as well. Absolutely love the song. I mean, and that's a hard thing to say in this film, really, because the soundtrack is just phenomenal. It's a banger throughout the whole banger. film. I think that's just another magical ingredient of the film and why it works so well was because they they seem to just hit gold with, with all the all the tracks. It's it's quite um it's quite a feat really when you're doing a musical and literally every every tune just hits. Yeah, we we have the songs on our Christmas playlist on Christmas Day. A couple of the Muppets Christmas Carol songs come on. It just fills you with just joy. And this is going to be a really really odd question. Has anyone seen the unedited version where they put that scene back in of his lost love singing? Yeah. So th- I I was asked to make a top three list, and that is one of those ones because mm. that original VHS that I had, I can still sing it now. It was a moment in our lives. It was a moment, mm-hmm. like always. It was like a fairy tale, a dream like you and us. You know, I can still do it. Like, it broke my heart as a kid. And I was like, and when I realised, I remember much later on, later on, I got it on DVD. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? that? It, like, it makes no sense. They're sat on a bench and then it goes to Rizzo and bloody Gonzo crying. And you're like, you've just, I, I, I would love to meet whoever made that stuff. That conscious decision to cut that song, I don't get it. Because there's other songs that are cut and never make any version of the movie. Like um, uh, th- there's a cut uh, scene with um, Professor, ah, I've forgotten his name, and uh, Beaker. Mm-hmm. And they're, 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 Bunsen Honeydew. That's it, my Honeydew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Bunsen Honeydew. They, 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 they've got they've got a song. If you go and get the Spotify version of the soundtrack, they have a song in it. And, but it's but if you actually listen to it, you go, ah, yeah, that's very similar to this or this, and you go, I can see why they cut it. But why the love is gone has been cut. I will never know. I think it's made its way back into the Disney version. I think that it is now on the Disney Plus version, I believe. Because hmm. I've only seen the song on YouTube as someone mm. uploaded the deleted scene. Now, I never watched the original VHS. Mm-hmm. So I've only ever known the TV edit, which was probably the edit that removed that moment. But they didn't they it was like an urban legend when a dvd came out on the internet in the early days wasn't it like it was lots of people like me realizing it had gone because actually when so a co-host of mine mr luke owen goes every year to go and goes and sees uh at the prince charles theater the uh muppets christmas carol he goes and sees it every year without fail what they do is they pause at that bit bit and everyone sings the song <laughs> That's amazing. So everyone sings that song and fills the gap. So it's I think it's one of those things is like like me where I had it on VHS, it was still the original VHS, went to DVD and then went, where the fuck is this gone? And then couldn't get it in there until I think as I said, I think last year they put it onto the Disney Plus version now. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I remember reading a lot and hearing a lot about that last year and um we watched that Disney Plus version, it was there. So, yeah, that is definitely being put back in mm-hmm. permanently. Well, as long as the Disney Plus version exists anyway. 
I don't know. It, the, the soundtrack just just amazing. And what I did, um, I asked Cliff earlier if he could come up with three of his favourite uh, pieces of music from the film. I'm going to ask you to tell us one of them now to to lead us in into the next segment of the podcast. I've, I've already done The Love Is Gone, but the other one is something, because I work in retail, and that means, as a store manager, I'm working every Christmas Eve, and I'm not even joking you, for the last, I don't know how many years, what I will do is I have my phone out. So I reckon the last 10 years, because mobile phones being able to connect to, you know, Spotify's and stuff like that. And I will turn it, basically get an auxing cable, put it through the shop's uh, speakers, and at full blast, play one more sleep till Christmas. <laughs> and I do it as I'm packing everything away. And it just makes me feel like that's the moment of, no, screw it, I'm not coming in tomorrow. You know, Scrooge has allowed me to have the day off uh, because I'm back in here on Boxing Day all the earlier. Um, so I, I, it's just for me, it's just one of those moments. And it's something that I've done as a tradition for the last couple of years. And yeah, I think it's a glorious piece of music and it just encapsulates that excitement that you had the night before Christmas uh, as a kid. So yeah, I'm going to go for that one. Right, well, I'll play a clip of that right now. And uh, when we come back... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk a bit about the cast. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. the cast of the Muppets Christmas Carol I mean there's only one well I mean I said there's only one human character but there isn't because we've got Scrooge's nephew and his wife as well and obviously a few others scattered around but I don't know like we've already talked a lot about Michael Caine and his performance <laughs> and, and everything I don't really know that there's anything else to say about Michael Caine is there it's just bloody brill yeah mm-hmm. I've always been a Michael Caine champion I just I've loved everything he's done and then to see him do a Muppet movie was just perfect gives it his all every single time so I'm looking at the the rest of the cast and it's just the Muppets <laughs> I mean you know Kermit plays Bob Cratchit what can we say about Kermit <laughs> I don't know it seems really weird like I'm sitting here talking about a puppet and I'm like what was his performance I mean, like guys it's probably the most book accurate depiction I would say <laughs> Really captures the uh, the essence I, of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun, right? I don't know. And also, if you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna take it at that kind of face value as well, shouldn't Kermit and Miss Piggy's babies be mutant babies like donkeys Lit- from Shrek? Literally, what I was just about <laughs> to say. <laughs> so many questions of <laughs> okay. why? Why all the boys frogs and why are the girls pigs? And how does that genetically work? <laughs> 
There's Austin at debating genetics on a Muppet movie. <laughs> well, they they um, in uh, Muppets Most Wanted. They they have this lovely song, and they have like little green pigs and little pink frogs. So that that's, <laughs> that's really it's part of the song and everything. And they have little amateur, you know, little puppets of them. So mate, that's how they should have been technically, all a mis- mismatch. Oh man, I'm, when I watch this film next, I'm, it's just not going to be the same. I have all these questions swirling around in my brain now. Is this a stage production? <laughs> <laughs> and why does the rabbit want to eat the big turkey? Uh, we, we're going into all sorts of things. Why are some animals that are herbivores herbivores, but in this movie they're carnivores? Omnivores. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Muppetception's happening again. <laughs> But what did a chi- what did the chickens eat on Christmas? And oh. also, Gonzo's talking about roasting geese and chickens and turkey. Gonzo loves chickens. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know why. He just loves them. I don't know why. Some sort of serial killer mutilator yeah. uh, cannibal, isn't he? That's, just, that's what he's oh, trying to I do. Always, I always assumed that he fucked them. I don't know. Is, is that, <laughs> no, yeah. no, that was, is that, that not was, what he's doing? That is always implied. Ta- it okay. takes, <laughs> takes, takes yeah. stuffing a turkey all to a whole new level. Uh-huh. Doesn't yeah, it does, really? doesn't it? Yeah. Basting. <laughs> oh, God. Basting. <laughs> Well, that conversation went went somewhere. No, um, we're talking about space alien that loves chickens. Yeah, but not in the way that is obvious. So, so Kermit was a good actor. Is this what we're trying to say? I, think so. I don't know. Like, what, we look at Kermit. He plays Bob Cratchit, um, and, and Miss Piggy plays his wife, and they've got this big family. I mean. I can't remember the original Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. I can't remember ever reading it. So, I mean, The Muppets is my like go-to Christmas Carol. Oh, if I need to know something about it, I'll go there kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I don't know in the in the in the book did did Bob Cratchit have such a big family? I mean, was this something they added to to the Muppet version? I've never I've never read it. <laughs> I'm not going to nah. pretend I'm any more well read than you are, Jason. Uh, I don't I don't yeah. I don't know that I've ever read it. My knowledge of this goes Muppets Christmas Carol, Doctor Who, Scrooged, and that's as far as my yeah, uh, knowledge like, of this goes. I've never read it. In fact, I don't think I've read any When I say that this book is like accurate, uh, this film is, you know, accurately adapted, I'm like comparing it to other adaptations. I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I, I, I like the, the whole family. I, I like the family that they, they built in, in yeah. the film and... Tiny Tim fucking kills me every time. (laughs) Every time. And the poor son that's uh, rotating the goose for hours and hours and hours. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, Miss Piggy is Miss Piggy. You know, they they don't really change anything. But I mean, with with Gonzo, uh, I mean, he's a firm favourite of of the Muppets and he's probably one of mine. You know, we've mentioned a little bit, he he actually plays Charles Dickens as the narrator in this film. Yeah. And I think he's probably one of the best parts of the film because yeah we, d- we don't need a narrator we kind of you know the, f- the film could serve the plot quite perfectly well as, as a as a, a normal set film i guess with, without the narrator but i don't know like that gonzo as the narrator was a stroke of genius mm-hmm. in yeah. adding this into the film it's uh i mean it's more than narration right it's a it's um it's a it's a greek chorus right because yes. you see them and they're there mm-hmm. and they pop up and go hey see that stuff that's just happened oh my god and that's mm-hmm. really important 
it underpins the whole thing and it's what allows you to go on this journey to some really dark places because you're doing so in the safety of having gonzo there with with you and he kind of holds your hand through yeah so yeah it's really important for the whole vibe of this film and also they're the they're the center point of energy because without them the film will plod along so slowly they bridge the gap between each scene and incident with so much energy and like steve just said it it guides you safely and controlled to point to point to point and then just in case you miss something they explain it in a very irreverent way that you get it. And I think that his sort of his chemistry with Rizzo as well, just that they that's it's it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like there's certain parts of it where it's like, thank, thank you very much. For, uh, thank you for making me the part of this where he's cle- using Rizzo to clean the window yep. so he can see <laughs> yeah. what's happening. So he can almost narrate you and guide yep. you through that. There's so many good. Oh, when they're trying to climb up so they can see <laughs> yeah. into his bedroom window and, and the whole thing of, you know, that they have to climb over the fence. And Rizzo just sort of walks through because and then he realizes he's just what he could just sorry could have just walked through because he's dropped his jelly beans there's so many like yeah little things like that with their chemistry which it, as you said it bridges the gap it bridges the gap from scene to scene and you're they're almost you're walking along with them on that journey it's, and when they're in Scrooge's old schoolhouse, Rizzo quit playing with the cat, and he just he, <laughs> yeah, he's been just... he just he just tut, he literally tuts at the camera like that, and he's just like <laughs> like that, the poor rat's being savaged by that cat. Gonzo's name with quit the cat. with it. <laughs> Actually, also that's the that's the full sense of safety that you know that this is a play within a play. Yeah. Because it's just two Muppets on stage mucking around. <laughs> so Rizzo's good. Everyone's safe in this film. Yeah, no, Gonzo and Rizzo. Well, quality, quality pair. Fonzie the bear. I was always quite disappointed. I think this is probably one of my disappointing parts of, of the Muppets and how, you know, we don't really see a lot of him. No, and, and Animal as well. Yeah. In that one scene, you get a small bit of fuzzy and you get a small bit of animal, and that is it. I, th- I think they underutilized him because he. I think he's he could have played anybody in in the film and have and had a much more major part of of it. And uh, yeah, just just quite disappointed we didn't get more Fonzie. I think um, you know actually. Do you know what Fozzie does get his justice in the next movie with? Um, uh, but you know he's such a big role in Muppets Tre- uh, Muppets Treasure Island. It it is one of those things. But at the same time, Animal like I don't know what it is with nineties nineties um, um, Muppets. They were pulling very much away from Animal because he was. I think he was such a big focus of the seventies and eighties movies that they almost like wouldn't put him on screen you know Rizzo is only I think Rizzo's first movie must have been Muppets Take Manhattan and that that's the first movie which was the movie before this one so it's, it's just really weird how they're trying to take it away from Animal I think you know, I'm, I'm holding a mug because this is a this is visual not visual I'm holding a mug with Animal's chops on it I think they were almost trying to come away from it being the Animal show because that's very much how it became what i love about animal as well it's like 
it's like they mashed like Keith Moon and <laughs> like who was a fucking nutter. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the Who, and to see the embodiment of Keith Moon in a Muppet, because yeah. if you watch Animal and then you watch Keith Moon's performances, they're the same. That surely must be an, an inspiration for Animal. But that, like you said, that energy that they give to Animal would have been great in this movie to break up that that linear sort of soft storytelling. Don't get me wrong, though. I love his part, though. Yeah. Like with the triangle, and then he just mm. loses it, and then yeah. you go into a full jazz piece. That was that's great. But at the same time, yeah, poor Fozzie and Animal. And also, and also, Steve, Steve, were you creeped out when Fozzie Bear went to the door with his legs? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, 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 you did clock that. Yeah. yeah. Desk Every is falling. Time. <laughs> 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 like, uh, put some clothes on. What the fuck? What's going on? So, uh, what's that? No, it's a walking muppet. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> you wanted to go look at the lamplighters. You leave him alone. <laughs> it, it's funny you say that. Like where where it seemed like they were trying to go away from animal because like um, when I worked at the Disney store in in the early two thousands. They definitely brought him back because mm. I remember just seeing so much like animal stuff in the store that it, it got a bit over overbearing. Really, there was so much of him there. Well, the the sort of the aesthetic of animal kind of belongs in the seventies, <laughs> um, right? So I, he he had to go away for long enough to be That's able good, to come back. Good idea. Because now his aesthetic is kind of retro, right? So I, I feel like that might be what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Fair enough. Never thought of it that way, actually. But then to us, Animal's always been there. And it also did mean that he got not as much of the, you know, the spotlight. So when the Muppets movie that came out in 2010 came out, we did get Act Natural, uh, which is one of my favourite scenes in any <laughs> Muppet movie. What are you doing there, but, uh, Animal? Acting Natural? <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't talk much, but when he does, banger of lines. And also David Grohl as the... Uh, David Grohl... We're going on to a completely different movie now, but David Grohl as... <laughs> as this is uh, how we roll. The, as the uh, sort of stand-in moopit. He was the uh, stand-in animal uh, in that movie. But I digress. Should we go back to the movie? I'm only a guest. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine, Cliff. It's fine. This is what we do. It's fine. Yeah. We're tangents. It's fine. Uh, Tangents happen all the time. Yes. I I mean, is there any other Muppets you guys want to bring up from, from the Christmas Carol? Sam Sam the Eagle Sam the Eagle is a big standout. Sam the Eagle is definitely a standout for me. Yeah. I can still I can still hear him doing that. It is the British way. <laughs> <you know. laughs> oh, oh um, yes. uh Statler and Waldorf. Yes. Who are fucking dead, and yeah. then they get dragged back into the afterlife, yeah. where presumably it's awful for them. Like, wow, that's also kind of dark. It's it. That's my uh, that's my third song. In fact, Marley and Marley. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's that bit. You know, it's that whole thing of your doom, Scrooge, doom for all time. Your your future's like a hobby story. Your future, future's like a horror story written by your crimes. And it's like this whole thing of they're slowly being choked by the chains and the diesel. I like, 
they're, they're literally comic relief. They're trying to be that comic relief, but doing it in a dark manner. Like, yeah, yeah. they're trying to be, like, make light of their doom. It's, yeah, again, that is incredible. Yeah. Acting chops were two bits of fluff. <laughs> um, and what's the most genius part of using Sattler and Waldorf as Scrooge's first ghost or ghost warning is... They were designed to be the Siskel and Ebert standing to mock the show. They would mock the shows the Muppets would put on and laugh at their superiority. Well, you know, because they're stuck up pretentious rich bastards. And then to have them mock Scrooge and put him in his place and forewarn him as what's going to happen is geniusly done. Why are we going so deep into a Muppet movie? They, they made even- it this way. <laughs> They, they, even, they even get a cameo along with Michael Caine's birth name of Micklewhite. There's a Sattler and Wardorf tavern on the set. They just... There is. God. <laughs> what a film. <laughs> needs to be a university degree then. What's your degree in? Muppet Christmas Carol Deep Dive. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave the cast. I just want to say one thing in that, you know, my favourite Muppet, who's Beaker, I'm glad he just got a scene or two in, in the film. And I like—I don't know what it is about because just whenever he opens his mouth, and I just me 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 me, me I just—it just cracks me up. I, I can't—I can't control the laughter. He's this little oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, as he's leaving the house. The mouth when he uh, Scrooge says he's not getting any money, and he's just copying—he's copying uh, Bunsen as he's leaving. Going oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, <laughs> as he's leaving. Ah, oh, I love Beaker. <laughs> oh, Speaking of like favorite Muppets, like. You watch the you watch these films and the show, and what amazes me is not the full size Muppets or the sack puppets. It's the tiny ones. Mm. The opening at the beginning, and again, a thematic stroke of genius that the people who are working in Scrooge's accounting firm are rats. Mm-hmm. Right, is brilliant. But the, what they get these tiny rat puppets to do and interact with on that set is. A masterstroke of technical rigging. Mm-hmm. The curtains, the candlelight in the firelight, just, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, brilliant. there's a scene where a bunch of rats are stacking books back yeah. onto the shelf. Yep. And there's a rat classic. sitting on the books also, yep. which is also moving. Is also moving. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. It's it's just, the technical achievement is just off the scale. It's just it's always the small things like that in like the mouse puppet and the worm puppets in Labyrinth, they just always fascinate me more because of this, the tiny scale that they're working on, but they get so much movement and activity, physicality out of that small puppet, which is probably no bigger than a pint glass on set. And as you said, there's multiple of them as well. Yeah. You know, you've got the scene where they ask for more coal on the fire and he's like, uh, like you go on the unemployment line and then you go back to them. And they've all got hula uh, skirt, uh, skirts oh, yeah. on. They go, heat wave, this is my island. <laughs> in the <laughs> but that's, that's phenomenal. As you said, that is, that is seven of those puppets with a sack puppet in between as well. <laughs> like, so that is, as you said, such an achievement. It's a technical wonder and then the rats are nothing but rod puppets and they're getting Mm -hmm. and i'd be very interested to find out how big the puppets were for the book stacking because the henson company seem to be masters at blending larger and smaller scales together and no one noticing 
and like Steve said, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a larger scale to pull off the movement with the rat on the top, build the set bigger, build the puppets bigger to get that insert shot. But even then, they're doing all of that to get an insert shot for a two-second gag mm-hmm. of rats stacking massive books. It's astounding. God, why, why can't modern movies be made with the amount of care and attention to a Muppet movie that's 30 years old? I mean, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Are we all ready for a CGI Muppets film? No. 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 <laughs> never. That's no. just never going to happen, right? I feel like that's that's not possible because mm. it's just counter to the yeah. whole idea of what the what the Muppets is supposed to be. Yeah, Jim Henson Studio is the are the masters of keeping physical props still going you know we've already said labyrinth on here but obviously star wars uh so many movies even without giving away where i work my work last decade went to jim henson studios to make them something for an advert like that is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal like they are still the absolute kings of it but nintendo did it as well for direct didn't they they, they did got... with oh, these yeah. Star Fox, Star Fox mm. models. Mm. And that's what I love about YouTube where, again, I always plug it, Adam Savage, when he will go to the Jim Henson company, they will show you performances and how they rig the puppets and how the performers will stand in the perspective of how the set should be filmed at. It's mind-blowing. And again, to bring back to what Steve was just bringing up, how a CGI Muppet movie won't work, the best thing to happen to the Muppets in the last 20 years was Jason Segel's movie. Uh, what, 2011? 2010? 2010. Oh, no, 2011. I said 2010 earlier, but it was 2011. He comes in and he's got How I Met Your Mother and he's done all these other kind of sitcom movies, I call them, mm-hmm. where he goes, my, my, my passion's the Muppets. I want to make a Muppet movie. Okay, Jason, here you go. Here's a couple of hundred million dollars. Make your movie. And that guy goes in there and he does everything physical. And then all of a sudden, because he, he directed that as well, didn't he, if I remember rightly? Yes, he did. And also, um, oh, I can't remember his name from Flight of the Concords did the music. Um, he won an Oscar uh, for a man, um, man or a Muppet. Um, but, yeah, Jer- again, is it Jermaine? Yeah, I can't remember his name for the life of me. But that that just shows you as well. Like that's how much he loved it. He knows what the Muppets were about, yeah. and it had to be about the songs as well. Like still, I some days I wake up and I annoy my wife by going, "Everything is great, everything is grand," yeah. because I know that's going to get that song stuck in her head. And she's like, "Oh, don't do that." <laughs> so it's yeah. So it, it, that movie we come back. I keep, we keep coming back to that movie. Yeah. But I, I think that's that is very symbolic of being a great Muppet movie like like um Muppet's Christmas Carol. And it was funny because they both came from a hiatus. They were the first movie after a hiatus of the Muppets. And that tends to be the stronger of them. Also what makes it stronger is people who understand the fundamental the fundamentals of a Muppet movie. Mm. Who just get it. They get it on a spiritual level. And then all of a sudden they realise how much money that Jason got for Disney. And then they made a sequel, and he wasn't involved. Yep. Like, what are you doing? And it was not very good. Let's, let's get rid of the guy who made us money. He's going to cost too much money now. And we'll make our own, but we'll make it worse, and no one will care about it, and no one's talking about it. But everyone's still talking about Jason Segel's Muppet comeback movie. Exactly. Because, again, it was 
the same story. It was the Muppets want to put on a show, and Jason helps them get to buy the old theater back and put on the show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not. I don't think I've seen the sequel to that. But I've Muppets Most Wanted is that That's the sequel? It. That's the one. I didn't. I've never seen it. Uh, it's got Ricky Gervais in it. For God's sake! Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Let's replace Jason Segel yeah. and Amy Adams. Let's replace them with Ricky Gervais. Great fucking Fuck idea. Like, but there are a hand of a handful of standout moments, and it's funny because it takes the piss out of itself in that yeah. very movie. Because there's a bit on the train, say, "Look, Walter, we spent a whole movie for you to become a Muppet," and then and it's like, and then Rizzo appears, and this is like the first time Rizzo wasn't in that other Muppets movie. It goes, "Yeah, over." long-standing Muppets like me and it's like even takes the mickey out of itself of being hang on a minute we spent a whole movie being great and now we're gonna go crap and piss on every other Muppet that we haven't involved on here anyway but this is Muppetception that is the name of the podcast today yeah 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 Sorry, Steve, you said you don't really like the Muppets, so we just went I mean, I've <laughs> <on> the Muppets. <laughs> I'm getting education today. But to go back to, you know, Muppet, Muppetception, um, the, uh, back to a Muppets Christmas Carol, which is Muppetception, is it or isn't it a show within a show within a show? It is a show within a show within a show. Within, within a movie. <laughs> yeah, within a, within a movie and no one told Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to our next segment. Uh, Cliff, introduce uh, another song from your top three to lead us into our favourite moments. I sort of gave it away earlier. You did. That's Marley and Marley. Uh, cracker. It's awesome. But the movie version's better than the one you get on Spotify because when it gets into that, you're doomed, Scrooge. It, it hits on so many levels. Tickles you insides. We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. I remember the little kites all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> All right, chat. Favorite moments. Um, I mean, it, there's a high possibility you've already mentioned your favorite moment of the film, but we'll, we'll go around and um, we'll, we'll we'll find that out. I think for me, it's sort of already said. It. I think it's the multiple ones between Gonzo and Rizzo, like when he he. It, uh, I suppose. Do you know what? It's going to be come down to one we haven't mentioned at the moment, and I say it all the time. Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, <laughs> not the rat. What are you doing? And I love Rizzo's like complete madness of going, nah, 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 nah. and he's like, Rizzo, what? And then pushes him into the cold water. And he's like, You're welcome. And he's as he's sinking into the water. And then next time you come to Gonzo, he's got him on a stick <laughs> frozen. Like that's what oh, I yeah. love. I love that little section between the two of them. I just, as I said, just the whole thing of Rizzo, what? And he's his little scream as he falls to his death. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, the, like, you know, like we said, the, the Gonzo and, and Rizzo are one of the best parts of the film. And yeah, that that's that that's just quintessential. Gonzo and Rizzo is the mm. perfect example of why they work so well together. Completely. It's just a great, it's just so funny. No cheeses for us, Mises. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. what a line. That is That's my wife's my... favourite part. Oh. I mean, it, it goes by real fast, but that's the one. That's the one. That hits in all sorts of levels. Yet again, yeah. why does this have to hit on so yeah. many levels? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and just, like sad at the same time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And that's, um, you know, what, what Chris was saying about like the really small rat models and mice models and just, just uh, another good example of why the work that went into uh, creating those. For sure. I think my, my second favorite bit is the relief uh, when Scrooge realizes that it was all a dream. Because, uh, man, you've been through an emotional roller coaster to get up to that point. But was it a dream? Yes. It's not a dream within a dream within a stage show within a stage show on a film, is it? <laughs> Yet Michael Caine's still not been told. <laughs> <laughs> we've, mentioned, they've mentioned, we've mentioned Gonzo and Rizzo being the standout of the Raiders, but to me... It's not a Muppet movie until it opens with the most spectacularly performed number of the film. I'm going to say it, and I'll say it all the time. I want to know what happened to that Dickensian London miniature that that camera pans over at the start of that movie. Mm. I'm obsessed with miniatures and model kits. always have been. And that is glorious. And I want to know where it is and what happened to it. It's probably at the Henson Archives, for all I'm aware. I've never been able to find out. When it pans down and then you've got this massive number with every kind of puppet and size puppet under the sun, all performing on screen in the same shot with no blue screen, with no matte paintings. How they achieved that, I don't know. That's witchcraft because, again, like we said earlier, you have small mice, you have worms, you have veg like Brussels sprouts and apples singing as well as puppets walking around and uh, sack puppets in behind things, all at the same time, singing a song in sync. I think I think they just like I think I think they just like did it. I think I think they just did it. They were just like, we're just gonna make all of this and then we're gonna operate it all at the same time and then we're just gonna do it. Well that's what I was about to say with sets obviously, you know, on a normal movie set they will use the same bit of set at a different angle to sort of portray that it's a different area. But honest to God, that movie feels like it is London, doesn't it? It yeah. feels like mm-hmm. there's not a single moment that you go, oh, I recognize this from here. Like you look at Bob Cratchit's house, like that road that goes along. There's nothing like else like that in the movie. Nothing else like that at all. Obviously, then you go to his school. That's a completely different set. And that London scene as, uh, as Scrooge is marching through and they all call him a dickhead. That whole scene is like every mm-hmm. single bit he gets to seems to be a different area it's just it's so glorious it I'm is glad you brought fantastic. It up because i over the years have picked up on as far as i'm aware there's probably several set redresses which are so well masked but there's one moment where scrooge scrooge's dream is about his competitors talking about him dying and yes. how how worthless he was cleverly they filmed it in the rain and they've put some wooden uh, trellises up or beams mm-hmm. down the street but the stairs that go up to the left are from a, pr- like a couple of previous scenes in the street they've redressed it to look like a different part of the town oh, but it wow. pays off because I didn't notice that until about I don't know a year or two ago I was mm-hmm. like hang on a minute that's, a, that's, that's that set they've just redressed it and filmed it uh, in the dark but like you said 
it's probably a very limited set, but the way they had Michael Caine walking probably different directions and different camera angles sold the whole thing that that was the never-ending streets of Victorian London. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. It felt vastly populated. And it was vastly populated with humans and Muppets. Yeah. But at the same time, it felt far- It felt like a metropolis. It really mm-hmm. did. Yeah, the streets were impressive, but that is where you saw Kermit with legs. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? <laughs> so you, you're never going to forgive ice skating Kermit, are you? Uh, it's impossible to forget, let alone forgive. <laughs> Oh yeah, you, you spoiled my um my my thing there. Where I was going to say, like my favorite part is when you know Kermit is skating with the penguins. No, you know, it's a beautiful there's... segue. It was a beautiful segue mm-hmm. to bring you into your section. There you go. Uh, there okay. you go. Because you know, if there's one thing that's worse than seeing a walking Kermit, it's a nice skating Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or penguins say "Merry Christmas," which comes out. <laughs> 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 But no, I mean, that is a good part of the film, but it's not my, my favourite. But uh, Cliff has already mentioned it, and that, that is the Gonzo and, and the Rizzo, the Rizzo stuff. Yeah, it just it just beats everything else, I'm afraid, in the film. They're, they're, they are the stars of the film, and Michael Caine comes a close second. I don't know what else I can really say that Cliff hasn't already said about, about Gonzo and Rizzo and, and those scenes, you know, the, the just the... the you know, we we've all said it. The chemistry and everything is just brilliant, and they they just seem to just I don't know. They just they just clicked, and the chemistry was amazing. So I don't want to keep repeating stuff we've already said. So we'll we'll just move on, really. And I think all that's left for us to do is just to give our overall verdicts and a score to get them up. It's Christmas Carol on our board. So we'll start with Cliff. What do you score out of? <laughs> I can't remember. But we we score it out of ten. Lovely, thank you. But we do it with decimal points too. That's all right. I'm going for 10. Oh, okay then. That's brilliant. 10, 10, 10. Wrestling wow. fans will get that. <laughs> going all 2016 on you. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Me neither. Why a 10, Cliff? Why are you giving it a 10? It's one of my favourite movies of all time. Do you know when... The, right, let's just put it like this. The four of us... We do podcasts for a reason. It's because we're nitpicky bastards that <laughs> like nitpicking into absolutely everything. Apart from Steve's thing of legs. Um, <laughs> I, I think we would be all in agreement that this is next to perfection in a movie. I mean, it overachieve, it overachieves on a children's movie. It overachieves mm-hmm. to the point yeah. of that. Two thirty, four thirty somethings. We're going to say thirty somethings. All of us are sat here going, "This is incredible. This is amazing. This is brilliant. This is like, oh my god! Can you the levels that Michael Caine goes to, the levels of the storyline, the the attention to detail of the sets, the attention to detail of these Muppets, and the amount of Muppets and different types of Muppets that they have all the way through this movie. This cuts no corners." So I can't see, like like other 10 out of 10 movies for me, like Ghostbusters, Empire Strikes Back, you know, those those 10 out of 10 movies are Back to the Future, pretty much all, all three of the Back to the Futures, uh, but I digress. Uh, I, I think that those sort of movies hit so many levels to me, and this is like 
perfection, not in just a Christmas movie, but in a movie ipso facto. Nice. I yeah. think you got your reason there, Jason. Yeah. Are you satisfied with that? It's good, isn't it? <laughs> this is kind of tough because, like, it's almost unfair. Like, it's a Christmas movie. As the movie that we watch at Christmas, 10 out of 10, easily, right? But I don't know. It feels unfair to give it less than that. But I don't know that it deserves a 10. I don't know. Maybe maybe go to Chris while I work my shit out. And <laughs> just, just and hope he goes about... lower so you could go in between. <laughs> yeah, there you go. As it's Christmas and it's a technically marvel of a movie how it was put together and finished. And just for the production alone, it's going to have to be a 9 for me. No, 9.5. I'm going for the 0.5. Jeez. Yeah, because I love everything physical about filmmaking, and this has everything that you want to see in a decently made movie, including the special visual effects, the sets, the puppet work, the acting, the voice work is just phenomenal from the opening shot to the closing shot. And yeah, I'm gonna. It's got to be a nine point five. It's Christmas. It's the time of giving, and I'm giving it a high score because it's it's required viewing in our house at least twice, maybe three times a year. I'll walk in and it's on, and it's like, oh, here we go again. And then I sit down and I end up watching the film, and it's probably going to be on Christmas Day. Someone in my family are going to put it on on Christmas morning or Christmas afternoon, and it's just joy to watch. It makes you feel something that you forget throughout the year and. Again, to to quote the film and to quote the story, you forget what goodness is until Christmas comes along and you realise why am I not like why are we not like this all through the year? And yeah, we all we all suffer with we all suffer with being bogged down with you know stuff happening and life getting too much, and then all of a sudden at Christmas you just you just watch a film like this and you realise everything's going to be all right. Oh, that is beautiful. And, I've I've had a tough few years and it's one of those things that it makes you realise that you can go through so much shit and feel like you're not going to come out of it and you do and this film reminds you of that but it reminds you of that in a very happy way it doesn't make you sad you yeah. all the way you, you get that it's not so much a message it's not being preachy but all through the film you're happy and you're watching this crazy movie and then you realise, hang on a minute, it's it's all going to be fine. It's Tiny Tim definitely does does not die. die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real end of it. Now let's listen to Steve give it a seven a nine point seven five. It's all about that point seven five five. Can't be the lowest, so he's going. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! So look, I I do I do love this film, right? But I'm going to pretend, Jason, that you're asking me in June to score this film. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give it an 8.75, which is high. That's fine. But it's uh, I'm not quite as high as you guys. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. I just don't want Christmas to, you know... <laughs> It's fine if you guys want to let Christmas uh, dictate your score, but I'm going to try and be objective about it. You know, <laughs> we can we can tell you don't work in retail or food. Yeah, food retail. Not. It's, I, it's I, completely different. As I sit I did here, my time. As yeah, I sit, 
As I sit here drinking eggnog in solely a Christmas hat, I can tell you, bugger it, I've allowed Christmas to take full control <laughs> of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm and not. Fine. <laughs> Don't get that image in your heads, guys. I'm not like that. <laughs> that, that you, yes, you, listening. Don't don't get that image in your head. You don't want that. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. Too late. Like, like, like Kermit and his legs. Just don't think about yeah. it. Don't go away. And don't, and don't think about Fozzie's legs being a completely separate entity. Because I noticed the, the, yesterday when I watched it, his body comes through very slightly before his legs. And that'll just creep you out now, Steve, because you won't be able oh. to see it. No, I need man. to go check that. Oh, you will no. be looking at the, the the body coming through the door before the legs, and it will creep you out. I'm going to specifically <laughs> look that up. Fonzie, Fonzie, Fonzie there. Yeah, yeah don't, oh. Oh, don't, confuse, don't, don't the, confuse Jay. Don't confuse Jay. Yeah, the top half's performed by obviously <laughs> just two different performers, and it's just a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Once you see it, you cannot. <laughs> it's so slight, such a slight detail, and now Steve's not going to sleep for the rest of the week, and I'm so sorry. Don't really know how to look for that. Fuzzy bear <laughs> legs? Like, what do you. Just don't search bear, f- bear legs. <laughs> yes, don't, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't search Fonzie bear legs. Uh, yeah. All sorts will come up on your search. Yeah, you'll get some weird happy days furry schlock mm. fiction. I hope you're uh, incognito, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Monday, Sunday, happy days. Open up, tor- <laughs> Open up Tor browser. Yeah, you know, delete your internet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't let anyone know this is what I'm trying to find. It's funny, as a podcaster, how many times you have to really explain why that's <laughs> just come up on your search history. Oh, I'm sorry. I was investigating something to do with Noel's house party. Apologies. Yeah. That's why it comes up, Mr. Blobby. Nothing, and especially my wife, she has no idea what anything. UK reference points of the nineties are because mm, he's Argentinian. Indeed, it's even funnier when you're when you're searching things up and then you you go home and you turn YouTube on like four days later and related to your recent search, you're like, why is that there? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Chase, what's your score? <laughs> see, see, tangents, tangents. <laughs> I, I was to blame for that one as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Muppets Christmas Carol is quintessential Christmas for me, and it has that uh, aura of Christmasness when I watch it. It takes me right back to when I was a younger and still enveloped in that Christmas feeling that sadly us adults kind of lose over time. Watching it now just kind of reminds me of that time and reminds me of that feeling and that atmosphere, and that that's just what makes it extra special for me. But also like layers, I yeah. mean. The, the 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 layers of complexity of the film as well as well as the humor and the puppetry work and the sets and Michael Caine oh, it's just perfect you know apart from it needs more Fonzie but apart from that it, it's it's just perfect um <laughs> I'm not going to give it a 10 just because I'm not the biggest Muppets fan I mean I think if I was like like if I if, if I think if I loved all the Muppet stuff before and after then then maybe i would but i feel a bit bit wrong if i gave it a 10 but i will give it i will match chris and give it a 9.5 because it is one of my it is one of my favorite we laughing steve i i mean it's just very high that's all it's fine it's fine that's you know it's what does our list look like now i mean we're gonna have muppets christmas carol really close to the top but (laughs) 
but it's like when I look back, when I when I look at the Christmas films that I really enjoyed growing up, like it, the Muppets is in my top three, I reckon, mm-hmm. along with yeah. like National Lampoons and probably the Santa Claus. So I, I think I think that and that has a bearing on the on the score as well because of that of that too. So. Yeah, I know absolutely as it should, absolutely. How how does Muppets Christmas Carol fare against Speed? <laughs> yeah, because that's like the how are they? Because <laughs> they're on the same speed list. That it comes oh, they're not too far away from each other. Oh, Speed, <laughs> the, the the bus that can't slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons reference in yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we've got the Father Ted version on the Unigate milk float. Oh, oh, that's another Christmas special I need to watch as well. Oh, them being stuck in the lingerie department. I could yeah. do a whole episode on that. Anyway, right. <laughs> and also, Jason, completely unrelated, someone's done it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, Chris is showing us the fonts from Happy Days with Fozzie Bear features um, <laughs> photoshopped on top. It looks that a little bit Christmas... like Del Boy. That's, yeah, that's, that's me not sleeping for the tonight. That's horrific. Um, oh, that's real. Uh, you need to send me that, Chris, so that I can put it on the socials when the episode gets <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, I, just, for sure. I just did an image search. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, bloody All hell. Right. What, what, what film uh, would the Muppets top that would piss you off? I mean, I don't know. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't piss me off. It wouldn't piss me off. I just think it's funny that Muppets Chris, Christmas Carol is going to be quite near the top of our list for quite a long time. It, it doesn't annoy me. It's just funny. What films are around it? Um. Well, it's it's above speed. It's above speed. That feels that feels okay. Yeah. It feels okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a you know a top runner for top secrets top spot. No, uh, it comes below RoboCop. Is that it is that right? Below RoboCop, I think below RoboCop, RoboCop is better than Muppets. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it does have a baddie explodes where we don't. Yeah, get that. we don't true, get yeah. we don't get that in. There's not so much acid scenes uh, in uh, Muppets. No, Cow, no. surprisingly, not in the theatrical cut. Yeah. No. No. no, I was about to say Michael Caine wanted it in there, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it comes below Firefly. Ooh, yeah, we've done our job correctly so far. Yeah, uh. the science, the science is bearing this out. Yeah, that seems correct. So it does actually sit between Firefly and Doctor Who series one. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so it's better than Doctor Who series one. I agree with that. Series two, series two was so much better. Daleks is okay. a good episode. I like Dalek episode, though, in series one. That's a good episode. That was good. The first episode's a bit naff. <laughs> they all are till they find their feet. Um, okay, so, yeah, so that's where the Muppets, A Christmas Carol, land on the board in between Firefly and Doctor Who with 37.75. Nice. Um, Cliff, get this segment closed out with what your last song was that you chose. Well, it was Love is Gone, so I've sort of already gone into that because guess what? I love this movie, and I was one of those people on Reddit going, ah, well, they should just bring it back. There's no reason it shouldn't be taken off. So the love is gone. 
go and hopefully watch the Disney Plus version, where it is hopefully there. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast having you back on the show for the fifth time. I mean, nobody else has come close. Thank you, Steve. So. Thank you, Jace. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Rich, who's avoided me again. I know you're <laughs> listening to this, Rich. Stop avoiding me, you. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't like you. You seem I know. nice to me. I know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Next time I see him at a Digi Live or Cheap Show Live, I'm just going to lick his face. Yeah. It's fine. But Cliff, yeah, please remind the listeners once more where they can find you and your content. So at the amazing Cliff for everything me. Uh, but if you want to go and listen to, if you're a wrestling fan, you want to go back in back in time to listen to what I used to do before all of this. Go and find WRWR Pod. Uh, there's there's about hundred odd episodes out there in the world for that. Uh, if you want to go and listen to N64 Live, there's about thirty five episodes out there for that. And if you want to come and join me on the streams, N64 Live podcast on Twitch eight for eight o'clock to no eight thirty. I was right the first time eight thirty to eleven every Friday and Sunday, and then UCP under consultation, if you want to go and listen to those every Thursday. Uh, if you are a patron, if not, you get it every other Thursday. It's going to be bi-weekly for those that are patrons. So come and join in the fun of watching retro computer game shizzle. It's it's all goodness. Yeah, um, well, I guess we didn't really talk a lot about your streams at the beginning, but yeah, uh, the ones that I have caught in the past... Um... They're, they're always just like just lovely little chaos <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of, of people trying to make me play terrible games. Because if I reach, <laughs> I think it's 36 followers away from having to play in its entirety Metal Gear Solid Twin Snake. Now, to most people, that sounds like a joyous time. Not for me. One, I've only ever played Metal Gear Solid once. And two, the chaos that you hear in my voice is me in real life. I am a bull in a china shop. So when I get to that level, I've got to somehow play a sneaky, sneaky game until I've completed it. I'm really not looking forward to it. Are you, are you like me? where Stealth games are just some, um, 
No, uh, you know, I, I get excited when it says it's optional. Brill, oh, I'm not yeah. gonna do it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, now I highly recommend you go and check out Cliff's dreams. Um, as, like I say, you know, the 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 lovely little corners of the internet, and uh, you just have a nice little wholesome couple of hours uh, with, with Cliff's company and um, and the rest of the gang that normally join up with with the streams. So yeah, please go and check that out. Well, we've made it to the end. Big, 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 big thank you to you, the listener, for your company. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. But before you leave us, we just wanted to remind you of a few things. We'd really appreciate it if you check out our coffee page, where you can go to show your support to us monetarily with a one-off or monthly donation starting for £1. But we know times are tough, so if that's not cool for you right now, then a rating or review on your podcasting platform would be amazing. Please come and join us in our Discord to chat with us or other like-minded people on retro or modern-day pop culture and have a look at thewolfypod.com where you can find all of our episodes, articles, and much more. Links to all of these can be found in the show description or on the website. Guys, it's that time once more to say goodbye. Bye-bye now. Just for one, Tiny Tim definitely doesn't die. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. No one tell Michael Caine. Please. Never, never. Let him just do this until his end of his days. No one tell him. Uh, we're going to take a sh- uh, take a break now, have a little rest, but we'll be back with a new episode in the new year. Well, the first week of February, actually. But all that's left to say is that my name has been Jason, and you've been listening to What's Wrong with Wolfie Retro Podcast to the Max. We'll catch you later. Bye. Ooh. Barking.